thanks so much for the call in, man. I appreciate the time. I won't keep you too long, but want to talk to you about the album and the tour and get your opinion on a couple of things. And uh, this is being taped, but it is FM radio. So the more uh, FCC friendly you can keep it, the more I appreciate that and less editing I have to do and everything. But uh, yeah, man, no worries. I'll try to keep it uh, PG. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. But, dude, thank you so much for a killer album, and congrats on on the new album, The Valley. I actually think it should be called Peaks and Valleys with all the different tempo changes and the face-melting riffs and then then bringing in the acoustic guitars and everything. But congratulations on a great album. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. You know, we've definitely had a really good response since its release. It's been out for a little over a week now, and uh, it's really cool to see everybody you know, we tried something different, and it seems like the majority of people are really responding to it in a positive way. So it's really cool to be able to see that. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I would like to get from you kind of a little bit the uh, fact versus fiction on this, because I know a lot of this uh, lyrically has to do with Phil and his growing up and kind of curious how you can kind of explain the concept behind the album to everybody. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, Phil's been very upfront about his childhood in the past. I mean, it's it's something that he's been writing about, but just kind of really touching on it since our album, A New Era of Corruption. And, uh, you know, he had a really tough time growing up with, uh, you know, his father passed away when he was a teenager. And then after that, um, the man that his mother remarried, his stepfather got his mom addicted to drugs and all kinds of really bad stuff. And that's ultimately what led to her passing away. So he lost both of his parents at a very young age. And, uh, you know, I think it's something that's always been kind of built up inside of him his entire life. And uh, now I truly believe that the entire career of this band has been building to this point to where he can release a complete album and really talk about it in detail and because in the past, you know, he's just been kind of vague about it and just kind of touched on it a little bit here and there. But as we've gotten older and as we've matured more, he's really moved away from writing about things lyrically that don't mean anything to him. Like all the albums in the past, like Smack Defilement and This Is Exile and A New Era of Corruption, like they had concepts behind them, but the songs really didn't mean anything. Like they were really mostly just uh, figurative like very imaginative songs. They weren't very, you know, literal or anything like that. Right. Whereas, um, you know, there is still some figurative stuff on this album, but most of it is very literal. Uh, a lot of the lyrics are taken straight out of his mother's diary that she had kept during that time of their life. So, um, you know, it's very, very personal to him, which makes the album very personal to us as well. Yeah, absolutely. Do you do you uh, know like the time frame from when his dad passed to his mom passed? Like how how old was he and what, how many years uh, was that? I'm not. You know, I could be off by a couple of years here sure. and there, but I believe his dad passed away when he was ten, and then his mother passed away when he was fourteen. Wow. So you know, those are definitely very formidable years of a young man's life, and uh, you know, it really took a toll on him uh, for many years of his life. And uh, now that he's older, he can kind of look back on those times and i think it's almost a way of like coping for him to be able to to revisit that area of his life and look at it 
from a different perspective than he did when he was 10 and 14. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be therapeutic for him. And, and for fans, I mean, everyone's gone through that law. Not everybody, but there are others out there who have experienced loss in similar situations and, and I'm sure can appreciate a lot of that. Curious for you on the, the music side of things. I know I had talked to Zach a while back and he's like, we're taking our time with this next one. Did you guys kind of have the concept first and then write the music around it? Or did you just kind of write riffs and feel kind of matched up the lyrics to the riffs? Yeah, that's, it was the latter. Um, I think that's, what's really cool about it too, is in a couple of other interviews, people were like, how did you feel about having to write music to a concept this heavy, figuratively heavy, not literally heavy, like, you know, heavy emotionally. And uh, I was like, well, that's the crazy thing about it is that we actually wrote all the music first. You know, there's obviously in every record, there's parts that change here and there. Once lyrics are born and there's ideas for songs and stuff, the songs will end up changing a little bit. But the bulk of all of the material was actually written before Phil even started putting lyrics to it because Phil doesn't really like pre-writing lyrics. Like he'll come up with ideas for songs and stuff, but he won't actually write the lyrics until he gets the songs because he puts the lyrics into the music as if it's another instrument where he just kind of layers it on there and you know he lets the lyrics and his cadence of the words kind of play off of what the music is doing so um i think that was really cool how that turned out where you know we didn't even know that we were writing music for something so important but yet it all ended up panning out as if we did you know yeah that's great and and kind of a, a build on the last album with like bring me home and then now you have like hickory creek and third depth and mm-hmm. some more of those more melodic songs that i think are really connecting at least with me as a fan who's kind of grown up with the band it's like you need those those quiet moments to make the loud moments more loud you know to have that dichotomy Absolutely, you know yeah i definitely feel like um as we're getting older we're experimenting more with dynamics not only within the record as a whole, but within the songs individually themselves. You know, it's like the record has dynamics where there's slow songs, fast songs, heavy songs, light songs. And then within the songs themselves, there's, you know, heavy parts, clean parts, uh, more atmospheric parts. So really we're just trying to give the listener the best experience that they can with our music to be able to uh, just feel all different kinds of emotions. They can feel anger, they can feel sadness, they can feel happiness. And uh, I think it's really cool to be able to connect with another human like that through uh, the art that we're making. Yeah, and then first time busting out an acoustic guitar, I think, on a Whitechapel album. Yeah, you know, we've definitely put some like layers of acoustics and stuff on things in the past, but we've never really just had like a full-on passage of acoustic guitar. So, uh, you know, I think with still singing voice, which is undeniably good. I love it. Uh, I think that's something that we could uh, experiment more with in the future, you know. Speaking of, of Phil's voices, I, I don't know if I'm just getting more used to him, or but I feel like this album I can kind of understand the words a little bit better when he is you know, doing the growls and stuff. I feel like, I don't know if it's a combination of me knowing him for over these years and getting more used to it, or is he trying to enunciate a little bit more on the heavier parts and getting those words? Because I feel like I'm comprehending more of those words. For sure. I mean, you know, I don't know if he does it personally on purpose, but I definitely would agree with that. On our first record, Somatic, everything was super guttural, and 
I mean, honestly, even back then, I was very impressed about how much you could understand the words for how low he was growling. But on all of our future material, it really seems like he wants people to understand the lyrics. He wants people to know what he's saying. So he's going to make it, you know, make a point to enunciate as best as he possibly can. And in my opinion, I think that's what makes him one of the best metal vocalists in the game because there's not a lot of guys that can produce that kind of power yeah. from their voice but still keep it clear, you know? And sing Most like guys, an angel. When they try to go that hard, and when they try to go that low, it just sounds like a bunch of garbled mess. Yeah, yeah, I know. He can go from the lowest lows to the highest highs. I mean, his singing voice is amazing. I love that it's kind of on display on this album. And there's also another another gear in there, too, a, a kind of a, a screamy, talky voice, too. Is that him, or is that somebody else in the band stepping up? Because I know it's kind of layered on top of his, his singing or his screaming sometimes. For sure. No, that's him. Any, any voice that you hear on the record, it's still. So as I was talking about dynamics in the past, that's something else that adds to dynamics now that we have the clean singing, the heavy growls, the low growls, the high screams, the more kind of pitched screaming that you're talking about. I mean, he's the ultimate package, in my opinion, in the <laughs> vocalist. Like, he can literally do anything, in my opinion. He's like, we joke about how he's like a renaissance man, because like, he not only can he do all that, but he plays guitar, too. Like, he wrote wow. riffs, and he has written riffs for our records. Like, that main riff in Black Bear, he wrote that riff. So uh, I love that I song. Think it's really cool. Yeah, I think it's really cool to uh, have a vocalist that can add so much to the music besides just their voice, you know? Hell yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that. I love that song, Black Bear. That riff just sticks in my head like glue. I've been been addicted to that song. And, and another great thing about this album is the drumming and kind of a unique situation for you guys drumming and kind of talk about that chair at the, in the band at this point. So we had our friend Naveen Copperweiss who has played for bands like Animals as Leaders and Animosity in the past and his new band Entheos is killer as well. You know, we've toured with him in the past. We knew completely what he was capable of and the reason why we like him so much is because he has a very powerful but it's an all-natural sound. Like, he doesn't use triggers on the kick. He doesn't use triggers on the toms or the snare or anything like that. Like, he just sits down and plays a drum kit and he actually, you know, he absolutely kills it. So... We asked him to do the record, and he was totally down for it, and we had him come in, and he recorded all 11 tracks. There's 10 tracks on the album, and we did a bonus track for the vinyl, but he did all 11 tracks in five days. Wow. So, you know, that was basically like two songs a day, and like one day he did three songs in a day, which... Like, for us to experience that was just, like, mind-blowing to get, you know, some of the most incredible drums that we've ever had on an album in five days. In the past, it's taken two or three weeks sometimes, you know. So for us to sit down and be able to knock out the drums like that and from the sound so good, like, it was completely priceless to us. Like, I don't think any other guy could have done it besides Naveen. Wow, yeah, what a beast to knock it out like that. So who's going to be on the uh, Chaos and Carnage tour behind the kit for you guys? Uh, we'll leave that to uh, be a surprise whenever that time comes, but uh, I'm sure everybody will know after the first show. So uh, we got a good friend that's helping us with our live drumming as well for that one. So, I mean, for us right now, it's not important to add another member. I mean, it's been the five of us for the past 13 years. So to hold a member slot in the band, I think, is something that as we go forward with our future and stuff, we're not just going to give it to anybody, you know? So right now we're just hiring people to come play drums for us live because that's all we really need. You know, we can get what we need done in the studio and we really just need somebody to come up and kill the drum set behind us 
in a live <laughs> situation. So, uh, you know, I'm really excited to get out there with some fresh blood and to uh, go out there and kill this Chaos and Carnage tour going to be a lot of fun great lineup i i got you here on may the 3rd at the house of blues anaheim saw you guys there last time with black dahlia murder on a really cool package yeah yeah uh we're really stoked to come back we love that new house of blues in anaheim it's huge it's a great place to see a show so you know we're very very excited to uh, come back there with this tour package yeah, what a great package. Uncured, Spite, Faluya, Revocation, Dying Fetus, and you guys closing out the show. Yeah, it's going to be a heavy one for sure. So we're going to be playing a bunch of songs from our discography that we haven't necessarily played in the past. And uh, we're going to be playing some new songs as well. We played Brimstone on the last record, so uh, we're going to be playing you know, even more new stuff from the new album on that tour. So definitely try to come out and check those songs out. Awesome, man. Yeah, I was going to ask you, if you're thinking three, four, five songs off the new album maybe? Yeah, it'll be four. I won't tell you the songs, but we will be playing like four four new songs. Okay, cool, man. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. And talking a little bit about yourself, I saw it was cool. You're also a, a barber, a hairstylist, and, and that's kind of your, your side hustle among playing guitar in, in Whitechapel. Yeah, you know, it's just something that I naturally had an interest in. used to kind of keep the dudes clean on tour before I got my license. And, you know, everybody was like, man, you're pretty good at this. Have you ever, like, thought about actually pursuing, like, a side career in it? And I never really thought about it. And uh, I finally got the opportunity to go to a school in my local hometown. And uh, it took me about 18 months to complete that to get my license. But I finally got it in uh, 2017. I started kind of teaching myself in 2013, and then I became licensed in 2017. So I've definitely been really enjoying that. To me, it's like I've realized that I'm a creative person. You know, like when I grew up, I went to college. I did that whole thing, and it just didn't really work out. I sucked at that. Like I sucked (laughs) at the whole academic part of it, you know. Right. And uh, it used to really bum me out because I never really understood why. I just wasn't interested in like school and trying to get smarter and all that stuff and then eventually as I got older I realized like all of my energy is focused towards being creative like if I'm not creating something whether it's a haircut or like some type of art with like pictures or music or something like that then that's when I'm my happiest I was just really excited to find another outlet that I could express myself in when I have downtime from Whitechapel so so when someone sits down in the chair, do you immediately like start thinking what you want to do to them? And then you... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, my favorite thing is when somebody's just like, man, I trust you, just do your thing, you know? Because that's, to me, when I'm not really limited, that's when I can make their hair look the best. But, you know, there's always the people that they want exactly what they want, and I can definitely deliver that to them as well. You know, it's, for me, being a barber, it's just all about making the person happy. I want to spin the chair around, and I want them to... I want to see that big smile and the person super stoked on their haircut. That, to me, is... Is like what means the most so awesome and alex i won't keep you too much longer just a couple of questions for you something i like to have some fun with because ultimately we're all music fans right that's why you do what you do that's what i do what i do because we love music so i'm going to play a little musical game that that i have and i like to get everyone's opinion on a couple years ago there was the big four of thrash metal right it was metallica megadeth slayer and anthrax and that kind of encapsulated uh, 80s thrash metal Absolutely. I'm kind of evolving that. I want to add one to it and take it into the 90s for what I like to call the Flannel Five. (laughs) So I want to know your favorite out of the Flannel Five, which consists of Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. Who's your number one, your numero uno off that list, Alex? That's pretty tough. 
I mean, for me, I love all of those bands, but the hardest decision would be picking between Soundgarden or Alice in Chains, because to me, both those bands, I think, really kind of encapsulate, you know, it's not what Whitechapel sounds like, but the darkness and the moodiness of both of those bands, yeah. I feel like really kind of can play into what we've been doing on the Valley. So, hell, man, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to go with Alice in Chains, probably, just because I feel like they might have a slightly darker edge than Soundgarden, but both of them are pretty damn dark. So Yeah, I was going to tell you, as a guitar player, too, I mean, Jerry Cantrell, I mean... Absolutely, dude, he's incredible. They're so amazing. I mean, I love their softer stuff, too, like that song Nutshell. That's oh, yeah. Song. So, you know, it's just like super sad. It really pulls on the heartstrings, you know. So I really like music that can evoke those kinds of emotions out of people. Pick an Alice in Chains tune to play on the radio tonight. How about something newer, like the Black Gives Way to Blue? Oh, I love that. Check my brain. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Love what William Duvall and that that second guitar I think is really kind of adds to the sludginess in that band that William yeah, brings. Yeah, I agree. And like I feel like the production on the newer records is really. I mean, you can't fuck with the classic. That stuff will always be amazing. But I really love what they did on their newer stuff too. So I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, I only like the band's old stuff. <laughs> you yeah. know, I definitely try to open up and and accept the newer stuff for what it is. And you know, I really enjoy it. So. Yeah, I love love the new album, Rainier Fog. Alex, let me get you on uh, on one last one. We'll do one more of these and, and involve it evolve it a little bit more. And even if it may not be necessarily in your wheelhouse, I'm sure you have an opinion on it. We'll go to the late 90s, early 2000s, add another one for what I call the new metal six-pack. Okay. <laughs> so this one's going to be comprised of Rage Against the Machine, Corn, Linkin Park, Slipknot, Disturbed, System of a Down. Gotcha. Man, that's another tough one because I grew up, you know, listening to, you know, to be honest, I wasn't the biggest Disturbed fan, but, you know, I loved Slipknot growing up, loved Rage Against the Machine, uh, loved Korn. So, I mean, I feel like Slipknot is the band that's had the most direct influence on Whitechapel, but I think I'm going to have to go with Rage Against the Machine because just the, uh, you know, just how angry and aggressive and what they stood for and uh, just the impact that they made on music, and not only music, but politics as well. And I think that's uh, really cool when bands can step up and, and speak for something bigger than themselves. You know, they're not just making music that doesn't mean anything. It actually you know, stands for something. So Yeah, I, I agree. And and, that, and they technically were the first one out at the gates, you know, that first album was 92. Yeah. So it makes sense. Absolutely. And I'm, I wish Zach was back there, but at least they're kind of keeping it alive with the, the profits of Rage and, and doing that thing with Chuck Absolutely. D and, and Be Real. Pick a Rage tune to play on the radio. Uh, I think I'm going to go with People of the Sun. Nice. Yeah. I love I that love tune. Eagle Empire growing up, man. That that record really. I remember my parents, when I had it on in my room, they definitely were like, what the hell is that? You can't listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I love the rebellion behind Rage Against the Machine. Oh, yeah. Your parents saying don't listen to it only made you want to listen to it more, want I'm sure. to listen to it more, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Alex, thank you so much for the time, man. Had a blast talking to you. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now just hit the subscribe button. That way you get it sent to you directly. And follow me on social media at MikeZ967. Don't miss the radio show, bro. Wired in the Empire happens every Saturday night at midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks online at KCALFM.com. Adios.